Welcome to the Waffle Shop Podcast with me, Taylor James. This is the podcast that gets people waffling about their mental health, coping mechanisms, life's minor inconveniences, and the music that soundtracks it all. So join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Waffle Shop podcast, the podcast where myself and a wide range of guests have a waffle about mental health, life's challenges and those pet hates that really get on our nerves. I'm your host Taylor James, so join me as I open up shop and have a waffle. Yes, welcome to season two of the Waffle Shop podcast. Hope you enjoyed the new introduction, it's very dramatic but... I'm here for it. First of all, I want to start by saying something that you're probably all sick of me saying, but it's thank you. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, we hit the top 40 on Apple Podcasts in the mental health chart. Something I didn't even know existed. And with connecting with, you know, some newfound friends, I found out that this is this is what you need to do. So the fact that we hit the top 40 already is insane. Speaking of Apple, this week's very, very special guest and kicking off season two is all the way from the Big Apple. He's one of New York's finest psychiatrists. It's Mr. Jeff Ditzel. <laughs> How are great. you doing? Very well, thanks. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. So yeah, for the sake of the, the listeners, do you want to kind of say, kind of give a bit, a bit, a bit of a brief about yourself and what sure. you kind of do? Absolutely. So I'm a, a general adult psychiatrist. And I have a private practice in New York City on, uh, around the Diamond District on 47th and 5th. And we've contented ourselves with taking care of clients for, I guess, since 2006. Um, I'm wow. trained in general adult psychiatry as well as 
addiction psychiatry, military psychiatry. And, you know, between all of those different fellowships and things that I've done, we are usually able to help people navigate most things, which, um, as luck would have it, as the world has shifted, there's been quite a few yeah. things to navigate. That's incredible, to be fair. Yeah. Yes, sir. How are you finding it in the minute with obviously the kind of the situation that we're in at the moment with the, the coronavirus pandemic? Are you seeing kind of like an increase in, you know, people reaching out for that little bit of help? Um, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, there was a, a very well-liked and prominent psychiatrist who recently passed because of coronavirus. And oh, um, sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was very sad. I've been my colleague for about 16 years or so. And my practice had always had already been quite busy, but we yeah. also took on his clientele. And then there's, I would say, generally been, I would say about a 40 to 50% uptick in, in people oh, wow. reaching out. So we've gone to pretty much 24 seven coverage, which um, my clients are, are happy that we're there when they need us, not when it's necessarily convenient, Yeah, but we're there when um, those moments happen where, where they really need somebody. And so we content ourselves with trying to get them through this difficult time. Wow. That's incredible. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's quite important, especially at the moment. I think this is exactly why I kind of, um, you know, contacted you guys, you know, there's such a shift in terms of like mental health at the moment in terms of, you know, more people are talking and there was, I think because of, the whole kind of isolation and kind of, you know, social distancing and all those kind of things that people are starting to kind of understand it and respect it so much more now. So I think it's an incredible thing that, well, obviously people are reaching out, asking for that little bit of help, but also that that they've got that kind of courage to take that step into kind of getting the help that they need. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Uh, just, I think, over the course of the last... 10 years, especially within New York City, the culture of New York City, people have come to use psychiatrists and therapists and mental health providers much more proactively. And the previous stigmas have, you know, while I'm sure they're still there, they've largely gone by the wayside. And Yeah, they're slowly definitely coming down. Yeah, which is a good thing because we could all use somebody there when we need them. And it's been an absolute privilege as this has unfolded to be there in those moments for, for people and really start to work on how you navigate something like this, which has been difficult for even the most resilient and thoughtful of human beings. Well, definitely. I mean, I don't think anyone at the start of the year could have predicted where this was going to take, you know, not just like personally, but like the whole wide world, you know, it's, it's completely, I wouldn't say ripped us apart, but kind of it's like, it's brought us a lot closer together. But it's kind of from a mental health point of view, from a just a normal health point of view, you know, I don't think anyone could have expected this to happen. No, I, I don't either. And, you know, of course, there's an opportunity here, I think, to rally together and realize we're all much more like and we are different. And the things that you're facing on the day to day and that I face on the day to day or the things that I hear from the literally hundreds of people that I talk to yeah. on a weekly basis, there's some clear points of commonality that people are experiencing both good and bad in the wake of this, um, you know, horrible pandemic that's going on. This is kind of like why I wanted to talk. I mean, obviously people talk about mental health um, 
no, I have this, I have that kind of thing. But I think there's a lot of kind of people set, you know, with their coping mechanisms. You know, if, if I was to say here to you now, like, oh, I feel anxious or, you know, like I'm not, I'm struggling at the moment. What would you advise? Like, what are you, what do you see like the best results with mm -hmm. when, you know, someone comes with you with those kind of scenarios? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, it's very, very common. You know, there's things that are biologically based, like generalized anxiety disorder or major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder. And those things might require medication after proper yeah. evaluation. They, you know, the meds aren't magic. They serve as tools. They help manage symptoms. But even if you don't suffer from a mental illness, to have issues with managing anxiety, especially currently, or depression, or just feeling as if you're out of sorts and not on track, those areas are really interesting to the practice. And we spend a lot of time helping people developing a system to optimize, you know, their navigation through yeah. these times. So a lot of times we'll, if someone comes to us with anxiety and they're feeling out of sorts, we start to look at how they're structuring their days. And what I found from my clients is that the clients have taken the time to begin to structure their days in accountable intervals, yeah. doing meaningful and purpose-driven activity and having an accountability to that okay. are weathering things a lot, a lot better than people who haven't thought to do that and are kind of still going in the, maybe the old rubric of let me find ways to distract myself. Or, let me, <laughs> let me sleep yeah, through this. Know, or yeah, let me that one. <laughs> play, right, right, right. Or play hooky through this. Yeah. I mean, as a short-term strategy that, that might work, but as a long-term strategy, people are finding it, finding it lacking. And so if they become more accountable, accountable to a schedule and imbue meaning into yeah. the intervals of their day, they tend to do much, much, much better. So it's kind of like finding your routine, finding like, you know, the things that kind of are going to help you get through your day. So like making sure, like just this purely just for an example, and kind of like from a selfish point of view, this is something that I'm hoping to take away. So you know, making sure like I'm up at a certain time, having breakfast, you know, then I have work. And then, so would you recommend sticking to that routine? No, that's, that's fantastic that you're intuiting that already. It's, it's important to move through your day in intended fashion. Yeah. And to basically take the intervals of your day and try to maximize your performance in that interval, whatever you're doing, and to use a schedule to help propel yourself through the day versus being dragged through it by whatever comes across yeah. your grid or whatever steals your attention, which is generally what's happening to people. They are unfortunately toxified by this 24-hour news cycle that really is just scary information yeah. a lot of the times. And often their minds get away from them and their attention gets away from them. So by going through a more structured interval day, you can get a lot of satisfaction because you're actually positing your energy into intervals that you've imbued with meaning so that you're getting things done, but you're also getting things done that are aligned with what you truly want to want to achieve in the world. Yeah. And that tends to be deeply satisfying as opposed to, well, let me just do a bunch of things. It makes a lot of sense though, doesn't it? Because I mean, you can kind of like the, the way you just explained it was like incredible, but to kind of take the basics from that, you've kind of like, you know, it, it's finding your structure. It's finding like what works for you to get you to. Because I mean, 
if you're on a normal day, you're not going to be sitting, listening to the news, you know, checking the news constantly, social media and stuff like that. Because obviously you're going to have like your distractions, like, you know, work or the gym or stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I definitely highly recommend staying away from the news, <laughs> especially at the moment, kind of find something else to kind of fill your time. Yeah, I mean, often we aren't used to the necessity of guarding the avenues of our mind, you know, so even something as innocent as uh, you pick up a phone call and you start talking to a chum who, yeah. you know, is anxious about something that can lead your mind really down a path where you're anxious and you're kind of lost in your own thoughts. So by creating a mechanism that you you know where to put your energy, right, to put yeah. put your attention and how to monitor that so that you stay in control of your attention and how you're wielding your energy through the day. It allows you to, I think, put that energy into pursuit of purpose-driven activity that when you complete it, as opposed to just completing a task, you actually feel a deep satisfaction and you feel in control. And that intended movement through your day and that intended pursuit of intervals of your time that you've imbued with meaning, you haven't gone somewhere and asked, a wise man on top of a mountain is this meaningful. Yeah. You've imbued it with meaning. When you complete a task like that, you feel safe and in control and, and satisfied. Now, if you can do that with some regularity throughout your day, your day actually has a purpose. And at the end of it, you can kind of look up and go, okay, that was, that felt good. First of all, you're energetically, you know, you, you feel energized as opposed to depleted. And also I think to be able to look and say, wow, I'm actually so much closer to the things that I truly want to achieve, a good marriage, a good relationship with my yeah. kids, solid friendships, being able to do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the one thing that's kind of got me through. It's gave, it gave me a bit of a focus. Um, this one thing that I'm actually really grateful that kind of came along at the time it did. Not as a kind of a distraction, but it's kind of, it's allowed me to kind of get thoughts off my chest and kind of, you know, kind of understand how I'm feeling. And the fact now it's open doors. I mean, I'd never expected to be sat, you know, on the phone to a psychiatrist from New York City. Do you know what I mean? It, it's it's incredible as much as it's kind of like a, such a horrible situation we're all in. The fact that from opening up, I'm seeing such a huge benefit, whether it's to yourself or to my friend, it's beneficial. Yeah, I agree. That connectivity is amazing and you know from given the tragedy of what's going on and not being insensitive to it people's reaction to it i would say 90 percent, honestly will tell you at some point that their lives are better in some yeah. way after the fact in the response to what's going on whether they're spending more time with family whether they're re as you have been doing reaching mm -hmm. out to people and connecting with people they're just some qualitative things that are proving to be more satisfying in people's lives. So hopefully moving forward, we take those lessons learned and we incorporate them and, and keep moving I forward. I really hope so. Um, there's one subject that I, I really kind of wanted to get your opinion on. And I think it's something that sure. no one kind of wants to admit this kind of feeling, but I feel like it's so kind of common at the moment. And it's, it's loneliness. You kind of associate loneliness as a kind of like a real negative kind of feeling. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, if someone was, you know, feeling lonely or having that kind of complete feeling of being isolated, what would you advise them to do? Yeah. Advice. <laughs> yeah. 
no, I, I, I get your drift. So yeah, it's a, it's a real thing. Of course, we're in this artificial environment now, this, this need to restrict ourselves physically. And that can create obviously a feeling of isolation and loneliness. But I guess, you know, I'm always big about points of discernment, things that are related, but not quite the same. You know, you can isolate yourself physically, but have the ability to still connect with people and to have a deep sense of relatedness and community. So my advice in that sense would be if you understand that, of course, everyone is going to feel lonely at some point with what's going on. But if you take proactive effort to establish connectedness with people, then that loneliness tends to subside. I've had the wonderful good fortune of reaching out in all of this to a boyhood idol of mine. And that boyhood idol, because I'm very old. (laughs) We're we're all on the same page. (laughs) Pushing 50 here. Yeah. But so just as luck would have it, I was able to contact idol from my boyhood, who was a professional bodybuilder named Francis Benefato, and just an amazing human being. And connected with him very innocently. I just had DM'd him through um, (laughs) um, Yeah. And this is after never having talked to the human being. And basically just said, you know, I really appreciate everything you've done. And you inspired me as a as a kid and a little ramshack (laughs) gym that I uh, constructed when I was in my teens upstate New York. And, you know, you inspired me for 40 years. And I just want to say thanks. And he responded back and we uh, developed a conversation and now we train together every day, oh, wow. every single day. Uh huh. And so I have this wonderful connection with this human being who probably had one of the most amazing yeah. physiques that ever walked the earth. He's about 62 now and he's in Marbella, Spain. Wow. And trains me through WhatsApp on the phone, believe it or not, with a headset. That's and a incredible. Tripod. And I know, and we get some of the most amazing workouts together, but, but more importantly, there's this deep sense of connectedness, even though I've never come in within thousands of miles with this human being. And, um, it's really been a joy to get to know this person this way. And so what I would say to you is that you can have very, very, very strong connection with other human beings in the world. And just because we can't be in physical proximity, you can still have a very meaningful friendships and very meaningful relationships if you are open to the idea and you take the time and put a little effort into it. So, and we're happy to help in that way too. We're extremely busy, thank God, because I think work Definitely. is a blessing right now for people who are able to do it. But we sincerely enjoy helping people and taking care of people. And we we always make room. So if, if there's people who are feeling disconnected and we can help, we're, we're certainly more than willing to, but we're not the only ones you're doing it through your podcast. And there's other uh, human beings who are doing the, the same thing, really taking the opportunity to reach Definitely. out and elevate everyone around them. So I hope that, I think that's you know, for those, one who, of the things that I've found out no, um, from this, because obviously when, when it first started, I felt like so on my own and kind of as much as it was happening to everyone else, and I think the podcast has kind of taught me. And through the podcast, obviously speaking to yourself, there's other people that I've met along this kind of journey that I've been. And kind of the message is so kind of clear that we're all in it together. 
And as long as we keep pushing that message and kind of keep remembering that, you know, you're not on your own. Yes, the whole world's going through this, but there is always someone at the end of the phone call, at the end of the, well, at the end of a DM, apparently. <laughs> so, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's incredible. And as much as they are incredibly lonely times, take that step to kind of reach out because clearly the, the results are, can be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think the other thing is realizing that people right now often aren't at their best. They're, they're stretched, they're, they're anxious, they're irritable. You see it in the driving around New York City. People are starting yeah. to drive again a little more. And even though there's nowhere near the amount of traffic, people are driving very aggressively. And There is a lot of anger, isn't they're doing there? Things there's they no kind of finger pointing at the moment. It's, 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 it's a weird feeling. Yeah, but you know, in all of that, if you can maintain some neutrality and realize that, okay, people aren't acting as they normally would and give them a little extra patience, it tends to go a long way. Try not to become reactive to a reactive situation. Just try to respond in the most thoughtful way possible. No, I don't agree. It's like when we take our kids out, we have a, a boatload of kids. When we take our, our kids into the world, Everybody has masks. And, you know, even if we're away from people and even if we're yeah. further apart than you need to be, we, we kind of exaggerate what we're doing to just kind of acknowledge and, and you know, show respect Definitely. to the other person, even, even if it's not necessarily physically an issue. We just want them to know, like, oh, we're, yeah. we're thinking of you and we're, we're respectful of your space and, and all that stuff. It's the same as when you're walking around with a mask on, you know, people are they feel isolated from you. You're, you're almost traumatized by people coming into your space, taking that moment to acknowledge them through a wave or, or a kind look, even if they can't see your, your yeah. smile or your, or your face, it really goes a long way. So I think very practical measures will also keep you connected in the world, getting back to your original line of questioning that these are ways that you can feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself and hopefully combat the, the loneliness that comes with. No, I definitely agree with that. Definitely agree. And I think there's, there's quite a lot from that we can, but well, I'm definitely going to take away from. So, and I'm, I'm sure that some of the listeners will take something away from that as well. Um, it's interesting you use, use the T word and it's, it's a word that I've personally had to deal with for the past three years myself is trauma. Um, I completely underestimated the effect that that can have on your mental health, physical health, you know, everything across the board it can have like such a negative effect do you think following obviously the whole coronavirus thing that there is going to be like a people inundated with trauma you know like people finding it hard to kind of find normality again after this well i mean the the obvious answer is is yes i think our reality is going to be shifted from what we've known it to be prior i don't necessarily think that has to be a bad okay. thing i think that People are traumatized because it's a traumatizing situation. And it's, um, you know, it's got 100% penetrance. The uh, number of people who've been physically affected is horrible and vast. But the amount of people that have been psychologically or uh, psychiatrically affected mm -hmm. is 100%. So I think through that, the real fight past the obvious physical things is the fight for the spirit moving forward. And, you know, I find human beings to be incredibly Definitely. resilient, as I've 
you know, had the pleasure of working in the military for 24 years. I just recently oh, wow. retired as a lieutenant colonel in the army. And the thing that that, one of the many things that that showed me was the strength and resiliency of the human spirit and the power to move forward beyond difficult times. So I think that as we all move forward, this is going to be something that informs us and imbues us with a certain level of thoughtfulness that perhaps we didn't have before. And I think moving forward, we're, we're all in a better position to create lives that have a lot, uh, a lot more meaning because we've all suffered through this time that has been very difficult and that has been incredibly challenging on the day-to-day -day for the reasons that you've mentioned and all the many, many more that everyone is experiencing the financial yeah. turmoil, the uncertainty, the, the people who've had losses of loved ones and colleagues. So, but again, there's with every obstacle like that, there's resistance to push against and struggle against and then opportunity to increase capacity. And as the world has shifted and can move sideways, there is certainly more than enough resistance and obstacles for us to all struggle with it, with against. And if we can do it individually and together, I think we have a chance of really creating something incredible. That's incredible. Forward. Like I think oh, I definitely needed to hear that today. <laughs> it's, it's just it's so kind of like, it, it just humanizes it. It just kind of makes it feel like, yeah, okay. And it's a huge kind of message that I wanted to, that I'm kind of fighting for along this kind of like podcast journey is like, yes, this is a real negative situation, but we've got a huge opportunity here to turn it into a positive. It's a time to learn new skills. It's a time to kind of, you know, focus on yourself. It's time to reconnect. It's time to kind of understand what's right for you. And yeah, I, th I think that's a, a real positive way of looking at it. It's amazing. Yeah, I think it's realistic. And, you know, doing something like this, if this is well received and a helpful thing, then maybe we consider doing it with a little more frequency because I think that the more people that you can reach with a practical and positive message, and then maybe even some ideas of how to operationalize that on the day to day, that would probably definitely. be good for everybody. I mean, so. definitely from a selfish point of view. And I'm sure, in fact, I know that there's people who listen to this podcast that it will definitely help so yeah i think i think we should look into that <laughs> it's funny the things that help i mean in this fray uh thoughts that i have somehow i tuned into it's just a funny goofy thing i tuned in on instagram to mario oh, okay is he, is he <laughs> and, the guy from and, Save by the and he, he does yeah yeah he, yeah 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 and he has a lovely family it turns out and they do tiktok <laughs> dances and they do just positive message stuff and there's no other way than short of a pandemic that I would have come across <laughs> uh, interest in Mario Lopez's Instagram feed, which is without a doubt, like one of the bright spots in my day. Like I'm going to have to check that out so now. <laughs> it's funny. The, you should check it out. It's really, it, he's just a wonderful human being. And um, uh, it, it's just so funny how these things lead to opportunities, whether to connect or Definitely. become aware of something. And, you know, we should... So I am fond of telling, you know, my clients and my kids actually do what works, keep doing that and stop doing the stuff that doesn't like just be aware that some things improve the situation. Some mm -hmm. things can definitely make it worse. So I like to think Mario Lopez. To be fair, it's, it's one of yes, the things sir. I said in yes, um, 
a lot of the previous episodes is that you know there's so many things out there that kind of it may work for that person you know doing yoga you know going on walks you know listening to music something that works for one person isn't going to work for the next it's all about kind of taking that time and finding what works for you and whether that's you know going on a walk or watching mario lopez's instagram page do you know what i mean it's it, it works and if it kind of gives yeah. you that kind of little bit of you know reassurance and kind of peace of mind then it works so do it no matter you know what anyone's opinion is just make sure it's right for you yeah i completely agree and you know taking that a step further there's a way to basically turn that into a consistent mechanism that you use to intend your way through your day and kind of work your way through your day yeah. almost like a lattice work of purposeful activity so you can always improve the system you don't have to have anything wrong psychiatrically or psychologically to have an understanding that you can always improve your performance from the previous interval of time even if you're doing different things and so if you're always striving to give your best performance or whatever you're doing and realize that the components that support that can be, you know, yeah. vast and have a wide depth and breadth of, of things that really help you continue on that pursuit. Something as trivial as getting up and giving yourself a second to set yourself and set your intention for the day, looking through your schedule, planning out the intervals that you can plan out and, acknowledging the wins from the previous day, it makes a huge difference in how you begin to navigate that day. And if you can keep these things in focus and create different gauges other than the external gauges that no longer exist to help you stay on track and stay in control of your focus and stay in control of this way of using your energy to move through your day, then you can actually have pretty satisfying days at the day's That's end. amazing. <laughs> I'm actually like a little bit like, yes, make sure you're listening to this, Taylor. <laughs> take this all in. <laughs> you, need to, you need to take this. <laughs> the funniest thing is like, so he does these great dance routines with his family. He's got his little baby yeah. in a, like a satchel on him as he's doing it. It's pretty funny. But it's one of those funny little things that gives you a moment. It's a little break, like, isn't me. it? It's, Man, it's that might break. not work for yeah. everybody. It's a little break. And it's a healthy one too. You know, the, unfortunately our minds like to kind of stray and they'll go veering off. And a lot of times we don't realize yeah. that they are, the mind is having a constant conversation with us, but we don't realize it's a conversation like Morgan <laughs> Freeman narrating about this Serengeti. We think it's actually going on, but actually it's just this conversation our brain is having with us. And when you take control of the narrative and you get behind the wheel of your mind and you're able to keep your concentration, keep your attention, and use your mind to do the things that you're trying to accomplish. It's extremely powerful, but left to its own devices, yeah. the mind will kind of revert, well, revert to baseline, and baseline tends to be keep this human alive. And so the way that it does that is a lot of automatic negative thoughts and chatter, usually limiting, I can't do this, I'm too tired to do this, so, so on and so forth. But when you engage your mind, it's actually incredibly powerful. And again, with all of the obstacles in front of us currently, if you're willing to endure the discomfort of the struggle, there's huge capacity. That's a Is way there to anything that you would that, recommend 
to anyone who's kind of like having those thoughts of like, you know, you know, I can't, I can't be bothered, you know, those negative kind of feelings. Like, I, you know, I don't want to do that. Is there anything that you kind of advise or recommend to kind of get out of that kind of frame of mind? Mm -hmm. Yep. So understanding that that is just the basic and primary function of the brain is to protect you, of your mind is to protect you. It's going to come up with automatic negative thoughts and limiting statements usually. So just even being aware of that or being aware there's a conversation going on, I think yeah. helps because we're not our thoughts. Our thoughts are part of us, you know, like whenever I have this conversation, weirdly enough, and it is very weird, I picture a, a box of Kraft macaroni <laughs> and cheese, which makes no sense whatsoever, but, and I'm doing it now. So is that, so <laughs> is that like dry pasta? It just is kind is of, that, yeah, okay. Yes, yes, yes. So my little boy likes it. I think that's why it comes up. But the point is your, your thoughts are coming up like debris. They're getting kicked up all the time. And you're not responsible for your thoughts. You're responsible for your actions. So to realize that you have a choice to follow these thoughts or not, not that you could follow Kraft macaroni and cheese, but you know, to realize that it's yeah. just debris coming up and you have a choice to follow it or not, like anger. When anger comes up, it's an emotion. You don't have to follow it, though. You can choose to not. And if you choose not to, then it fades off yeah. in the mist. It, like a cloud in the sky, it'll fade off. So, Or you can choose to follow it. Most people, they don't realize they have a choice, that they just think this, that whatever is occurring in their thoughts or their emotions is actually what's going on. But this creates a little bit of buffer so you can respond the way that you want to versus react, which is... If you don't take a second, you just kind of go in a very reactive way through throughout your day. And that could be problematic given all of the uh, yeah. irritations and anxieties that are out there currently. That's really, really, really good way of putting it. So really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I would develop, none of these things are technically difficult, by the way. It's not NASA math. It's, um, you know, you practice, yeah. it's just a practice of like a, a way of, developing a construct that you can use because at the end of the day, you can call it whatever you want. What we're trying to do is take energy that we have and invest right it way. in moments of our day. Right. So that when you do whatever activity you're doing, if you've got it lined up energetically correctly, you get that energy back and even more. So for instance, I am easily working 18 oh, wow. hour days, 16, 18 hour days still getting up um, ridiculously early in the morning because there's a time difference in Spain where my trainer is. I go through a progression of things that allow me to get to sort of a way of looking at things that allow me to function optimally for me. The way that I can do that, there's no magic to it. It's simply aligning it up energetically so that I'm not doing things that dissipate or take away from my energy. I stay in a pocket okay. of performance. And if I stay in that pocket, it's kind of like perpetual motion. You just kind of keep moving towards uh, the next interval. You try to do the, each interval of your day better than the one previous. And you monitor your, your progress through basically your performance as opposed to the external variables that no longer exist. Like, for instance, the transition of going from home to work or work to home or getting done with work early and, and going out with your, you know, with your husband yeah. or your wife or your meaningful other going on vacation. So a lot of, 
a lot of what people are coming to me with in this last week, and each week seems to be thematic, there'll be like a theme that most people are experiencing. The one at 10 weeks out or however long it's been for us is one of, wow, I'm so yes. exhausted. I'm so tired. I'm no, not doing anywhere near the amount of stuff that I did prior um, when, when all, before all this had happened. And yet I feel, you know, just lethargic and I feel malaise and I feel like this is exactly no the phase I'm going through at the minute. And so it's just, really weird. Yeah. It's really weird. <laughs> right at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's talking to all the people I talk to, it seems like each week there seems to be a theme and that's the theme currently, like people are just kind of worn down and not sure what to do to stay motivated. So here's the good news. Like, despite that, okay, if one adopts different strategies, you can get a lot more out of it. And I think that there has to be a shift in what you're using to gauge okay. like your progress through the day. The, the, the idea of going on vacation with family and having that to look forward to, um, having a long weekend, you know, these, these things don't really exist anymore. So if you adopt more of an in, internal monitoring system that gauges your performance, you have a way to capture that energy back that okay. you're putting out. And if you align it with the things that are important to you, it turns out that you can have a lot of energy going through your day and feel very satisfied at the end of it and hopefully ready for the next one. <laughs> I'm a little bit lost for words because like, <laughs> I wasn't expected to feel this kind of like involved with everything that you were saying but it just feels like you're just describing everything like how i'm feeling at the moment <laughs> so i appreciate that thank you oh, um, it's my pleasure i have two final questions pleasure. for you one of them is sure. when i was like, having a look at your like your website and um you know like kind of like your background and stuff like that one thing that really interested me and i've never ever seen this before so forgive me if I'm going to ask like a stupid question. Um, but it was like ketamine curing depression. I never would have kind of put the mm -hmm. two together. Is it a thing? Yeah. So ketamine infusion therapy for treatment-resistant depression um, as an off-label treatment for, again, treatment-resistant depression has, it's probably been around okay. for 10 years and mostly the research had been done by the National wow. Institutes of Mental Health and, you know, are extensive and I thought well done. Something that we had looked into for a small subset of our practice that uh, has treatment resistant depression, I'd say roughly 10%, um, looking at it as a, as a modality. And as I, you know, I'd seen it probably gone across my information yeah. screen or the emails that doctors get a hundred times before one caught my eye, it was a Time Magazine article. And I, read on it and I was intrigued. So I started to drill down on it and actually went and got um, training with an anesthesiologist, Dr. Gerald Grass in Florida, who's just an incredible wealth of resource and a great mentor and friend and learned about it and wanted to offer it not in a, yeah. as a clinic, because these things had uh, sprung up over the last few years and really seemed, um, I'm sure not everybody, but some of them seem to be sort of like a mill of sorts. So what we want to do is offer a very tailored experience to people um, within their own psychiatric uh, okay. practice that they're used to with their own doctor who they're hopefully trust and are comfortable with and offer a very 
tailored and comfortable experience for that. So we've been doing it for about a year and a half, I'd say, and have had really great results. Yeah. It doesn't cure anything, um, just to be clear. But for people who have gone rounds and rounds and rounds of medications and by the nature of the group you're describing, yeah. treatment resistant, a very difficult crowd to treat, who haven't had any functionality or very little, who haven't been able to engage with their families, to offer them relief that comes from these infusions, which can be immediate as opposed to the weeks and months that it usually takes for our medications to work, with somewhere between a, uh, a 60 and 75% response rate, with the response defined as a 50% reduction in Hamilton D depression scores. It's wow. a pretty amazing thing to be able to that type of relief. And so it's really been a, a welcome addition and pleasure to the, to offer people in the practice who are appropriate for it. And we've, you know, thankfully for, for our patients and, and for us doing it, found it to be very worthwhile. If it helps, I mean, I think, I mean, I think over obviously in the UK, you know, ketamine is, is it very kind of it looked at as like, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, like a party kind of drug, like, you know, festivals. I mean, this kind of thing so to hear it kind of used in a way that's kind of like helping and kind of you know using that like i was just a little bit taken aback so that was purely just for my own curiosity <laughs> that one <laughs> well everybody yeah. is that's usually where the conversation starts is they know ketamine is a club drug at hundreds of times a dose that you use for the infusion which is basically an iv of yeah. just a little bit of ketamine or they've yes. heard it as a horse tranquilizer so the reality of it there is it's a very good anesthetic that's still commonly used today. It was used initially when it was developed on the battlefield to help soldiers who've been injured and yeah. need something that could put them out. You could perform whatever operation and that they would recover quickly from oh, it. Wow. So it's a very, very good anesthetic. So it came to be known, I think, as a horse tranquilizer because in my mind, I would think yeah. if you had, say, a million dollar racehorse and you need to do a procedure, you'd want something that allowed you to to completely put the animal out and then perform your procedure. And then they wouldn't be banging into things for several days afterwards and yeah. disrupting, you know, your life. So, so it's very safe and effective as medication, but then as things happen in medicine, serendipitously doctors noticed that their clients who'd had anesthesia with ketamine, their depression had somehow lifted or gotten better. Kind of so from, that's where I think yeah. the, research from the National Institute of Mental Health occurred. And so at many, many, many times reduced the dose, we offer ketamine infusion and the infusion sounds much more invasive than it is. It's an IV yeah. that runs essentially 40 minutes. And um, it's very well tolerated, it's very comfortable. Um, the sensation itself of having the IV is experienced as pleasurable generally. It's mildly psychoactive. You can even do therapy during it if you're with a with a psychiatrist and so inclined. And so it can be immediately beneficial just by the experience of the infusion. But it's also beneficial in the hours, days and weeks moving forward. So after a series of infusions, people generally have a, a very uplifted response and find yeah, that course. stuff that they weren't able to do or were very problematic to get started. They're They're able to do with a lot more ease things like having dinner with family, like cleaning their room, you know, things that they just could never get to. Able to. They find that they're functioning. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's pretty amazing to watch. I've had people come in in, in the morning who were 
I mean, just severely, severely depressed, burst in tears, actively suicidal. Um, we were able to get the preliminary work that we needed to do, the baseline labs, the EKG, and, and things that you do to kind of get people ready if they're potentially a candidate for infusion. Had them come back in the evening and sit down, do the infusion with them, and have them look up afterwards after 40 minutes. We usually give yeah. the, the client a, a bowl of fruit or something to, to eat. And had the client look up to me and go, you know, if you told me in the morning that I would have felt as hopeless as I felt this morning and completely at the end of my rope and that 12 hours later I'd be sitting here (laughs) eating a bowl of fruit and feel like I do now, I just wouldn't have believed it. Like I actually feel like I'm going to make it. I feel like I have hope again. And this is immediately after the infusion. So they had improvement that occurred. And we've had many stories like that. People are just like, wow, I was really in the darkest place I'd known. And this really helped me come out of it. Now, does it work for everybody? No, it doesn't. But the majority of people that we've treated does. So we're, we're really happy with it and being able to offer it in That's I think, the right way. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I have one final question for you and then I'll get, I'll let you get back to saving people's lives. Sure. You know, that's what you need to do. Nah. So I have a friend sure. who saw some things kind of like growing up, you know, and that he probably shouldn't have. Um, <clears throat> kind of a little bit of like traumatic, exp- minor tra- traumatic experiences throughout like the period of his kind of life, um, which then kind of stopped him kind of mm-hmm. developing like relationships, you know, like kind of like moving forward, you know, you know, finding a partner, you know, like when even when they're in a relationship, they find it very, very difficult to kind of settle down and kind of allow themselves to kind of be happy. Do you think kind of like those past kind mm-hmm. of experiences prevents them from kind of finding that kind of happiness? So previous, I guess, to just to make sure I understand the question, do I think that previous traumatic events, whether actual traumas or not, could create a situation where in their current way of dealing yeah. with human beings, they're not getting what they're looking for? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's the reason one would do therapy, you know, to try to understand based on pattern of how things have occurred in the past. How does that inform your present so that you get, you get a better outcome in the future? So that's the whole reason you yeah. kind of look at these patterns to become aware of them. And then within the reprocessing of that, coming to understand like, okay, so I've got a blind spot here, or I tend to set this thing up and that thing up that I might not realize I can improve on the situation if I make some minor adjustments here and there and then capturing those improvements. Right. So the whole point of all this, you know, of the work that I do, people have this capacity, they're doing the heavy lifting. The thing that I help them with mostly, if you got right down to it is providing a structure where you can see what's going on. You can make some conclusions for yourself with that decide you're going to, change things ever so slightly as far as behavioral change, and then see if you get an improved result. If you get an improved result, we keep doing those things. If not, then we don't do those things. And it's important in all of these things to have someone share the experience with you, like to be there to bear witness to what's going on and to solidify. It's like, you know, seeing a sunset, right? It's nice to see all by yourself, but when you can turn to someone and go, oh, isn't that beautiful? It crystallizes it, you know? So in my training with Francis, as I, you know, had mentioned, 
one of the best things about it is like him just being there within it so that when you're in that moment of struggle and you push past yeah. the boundary, hopefully <laughs> it's a good day. There's someone there good. to go, yeah. Oh, that was, I saw you do that. I, I saw you go against it and you persevered and you went through. And I think it's sharing that experience um, that makes it worthwhile. And, and so for your friend, hopeful message, you know, if he's willing to work on some of that stuff, he can have whatever relationship he'd like to have. And it's not too late. And, you know, just because yeah. things have been a certain way, they don't have to continue to be that way. If you're willing to undergo a little bit of discomfort, right? You got to be willing to push past <laughs> the scary doorway of discomfort, right? But that's what it is. It's discomfort. You know, the mind yeah. at its baseline, remember, is trying to protect you, usually by telling you a bunch of negative things. If you're And the mind sets that baseline just outside of discomfort. It sets it really close to homeostasis. So if you're willing to take a little venture through the doorway, on the other side is, I think, limitless capacity. That's truly what I believe. And so you content yourself with trying to develop your capacity and never giving up and always fighting the fight. And if you do that, you're willing to yeah. just not give up. You'll get where you need no, to go. I, I, truly believe I will be sure to pass on that message. <laughs> I will yeah, let you get yes, back sir. to saving people's lives. And then, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. It, it honestly means, means the world to me. And the fact that we kind of, you know, kind of going overseas with the podcast now, but with the same kind of message. Oh, wow. So I really appreciate Amazing. you taking the time out today to kind of talk through. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. There's no place I'd rather be. I, this was very, very uh, enjoyable. And I think you're doing an amazing thing. I've, I had a, a second to go through some of your other podcasts and just look around. And um, who you are is, I think, speaks for itself. You have a very <laughs> kind spirit. And I can tell you're trying to do a very important thing here. So I'm happy to no, I really appreciate it. I'm perfect smile on my face. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> right. I'll see yes, any. And you. Listen, have a good day. <laughs> and there we have it. Season two is officially kickstarted. Big thank you to my guest this week, Dr. Jeff, all the way from New York. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please don't forget to give us a like and follow on social media. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a rate and review. And I'll see you next week. 've been listening to the waffle shop podcast with me Taylor James don't forget to hit that subscribe button and even leave a review it means the world to me see you soon <laughs>